Welcome to Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, training you to lead with courage. Hello, everyone. We are so happy to have you here. We are so delighted to have a very important guest. And I, it's very important to me. I hope it's going to be a very important to you. His name is uh, Dr. Jeff Myers. He is the president of Summit Ministry. And Dr. Meyer, Myers has become one of the America's most respected authorities on youth leadership development. In fact, Dr. James Dobson will say or refer to him as a very gifted and inspirational leader. And the evangelist Josh McDowell will call him a man who is 100% sold out to preparing the next generation to reflect the character of Christ in the culture. Obviously, Dr. Jeff Myers, your passion and your work is to equip uh, young Christians to articulate a Christian point of view. But my question is, because I grew up in socialist, communist Romania, and I know we are not persecuted in America yet. We are mocked. We are pushed away. We are told not to express our point of view. But from your point of view, what is the biggest threat that you see for Christians that will try to stand up for their faith, uh, or for biblical truth. Well, I think I think Virginia, for me, the biggest threat that Christians face today is that they are indifferent to the challenges that they face. I, I don't think people really see that these challenges are real. They are growing. What you experienced in Romania growing up is something that has not happened here. Thank the Lord. But, you know, just yesterday I was visiting with one of our students who is in Canada and the number of threats that religious people are facing in Canada is extraordinary. I mean, we share a border with that country and yet it's a completely different mindset. One that says there is no truth that can be known, at least biblical truth can't be known to be true. Of course, you're always supposed to accept the truth of those who are in power. But if, if people don't see that there really is a battle, they're going, how, how can you fight it? It is so true what you said, because a few years ago, uh, before the COVID, one year or, or something, I went to Vancouver, Canada, and I spoke to Christian Legal Society there, the annual event, and um, I met Supreme Court judges and lawyers and prosecutors, and they told me exactly what you said, exactly, exactly what you said. Do you think that the, I will say from from, from my point of view, I see Christians, lots of Christians being fearful, more fearful of the government than fearful of God, because they know the truth. But many of them, it might be 
what we call arrogance because we think, oh, we are Americans and, you know, socialists will never come here. We will never be persecuted. Can be also arrogance. I, I, I see. I see a lot of that arrogance right now. The assumption is that America is is special. And I believe we have an exceptional country. I believe that what what God has done in America is extraordinary. I think the founders of this country were among the most amazing people who have ever lived. But to just assume that because of this, things will go on as they have before is sort of like quitting your job and expecting to be able to go to the bank and put in your ATM card and still get cash out of the bank when there's nothing more coming in. Eventually, you'll get an insufficient funds notice. Well, cultures can get insufficient funds notices as well. There have been, what, 17 major civilizations in history, and every single one of them uh, survived long after they gave up their founding principles. But then the end came about very, very rapidly. And, uh, you know, there, there are some really significant ways of thinking of this. But I remember one, um, Will Duran, the great, histori- great historian, saying that, uh, that a civilization might take 100 years to build but it can collapse in a day. So we need to be very careful to always be preserving what we understand to be true and recognizing that what we're being told out of Washington, D.C. and our state capitals, that secularism is neutral and that Christianity is the only one making a claim is not true. That what's actually happening today is is a conflict between religious viewpoints with one side claiming that they that they have the high ground. Uh, I think Christians need to be aware that their biblical worldview is not just something that gives them salvation so they can go to heaven when they die, but it actually expresses God's truth. What is really real about reality and how that applies to every area of life? That's how we teach our students at Summit Ministries. Yes, I, I, it's so important because. Um, I don't know if I ever shared with you. I know I came and I spoke several times at the summit ministry, but after after that, I received emails from or calls from different students in in your sessions that I was there or they bought my book, Saving My Assassin, and several of them. Do you know what they did? They they bought books for their professors. And they asked the professor to talk about, at one point in class, about socialists and communists after they read my book. And they were saying, because some of us went to summit ministry, we knew how to ask them questions, how to bring the what you wrote in your book to, uh, to their attention. And many of them changed their minds. So it's very important because yeah. those professors were able to see how those students were living out their faith in Christ. And that, that is, that is uh, important. What I, is, I'm so proud of students who do that. That just makes my day. 
Oh yes, many of them they they do that. I uh, I I have to um, look at my emails and uh, and make those collections and send them to you because they are uh, so you have a fire in you and a passion and you transmit that fire and passion to your students and when they go to college that's what they are doing. They have they express that passion. And I believe people should know to enroll their students in your classes. And also you have now uh, classes for parents, for adults, so they can talk with uh, with their children. If their children or uh, adults don't want to go to your classes, at least the parents will be equipped to talk about those issues. And um, talking about this, um, what is the impact that you um, see cancel culture having on our culture? Well, cancel culture started out as people canceling, say, their membership in uh, uh, an organization that they no longer support or telling a company because you have gotten involved in this particular issue or or not communicated good values. I'm not going to buy your product anymore. But I, I think what has happened is that cancel culture has become a way for people to stop talking with people who disagree with them about anything at all. Uh, we're actually doing some polling on this right now. It'll be fascinating to see the result, but uh, we're finding that a whole lot of people right now never even have conversations with people with whom they might have disagreements. They just don't talk anymore. It's a whole lot easier for people to just say, well, I don't agree with that person, so I'm going to just shut them out of my life. Unfortunately, that, that lack of communication, that lack of ability to work together in spite of our differences is, is one of the signs of an alarming trend in our culture. I believe you are 100% we have the medicine to cure cancer and we don't share it with, we just isolate ourselves. We know the truth that will set them free, but because they don't agree with us, we separate ourselves from them. Well, Christ told us to be salt and light. Christ told us to make and do make disciples, not on our own, but in his power. So many times I said, and it's true, we belong to the winning team. Christ never lost a battle. We are in the best team that ever existed. It might be a team where people will mock us, in my case, put me in interrogation, beating me, house arrest, and, you know, someone wanted to kill me. But that was their way, my reaction to them helped them to know Christ. And you are perfectly right. It's time for us to be involved with them. Ask them to, to come or have lunch with us or with us or something that will help us and ask questions. I love the way you teach your students how to ask questions, not to be confrontational, but to be um uh, to express uh, an interest in the way they think, in the way you ask them questions. And, and it's not judgmental. It's so amazing. 
What do you think that is going on in, in our country right now with religious freedom? Well, let me, I want to talk about that, but let me share with your viewers just how we teach some of those questions, because they might want to know, uh, there are five conversation altering words that you want to begin with in any conversation. Tell me more about that. It never hurts to let people share a little bit more. When people don't listen, anyone who's willing to listen has more credibility. And then you can ask questions like, tell me what you mean by that. How did you arrive at that conclusion? How do you know that what you believe is true? And then ultimately, if you get to this place in the conversation, what happens if you're wrong? Because a lot of people don't even really think through the possibility that they might have taken on a perspective that they can't really defend and that it probably has affected other areas of their lives. So thank you for letting me throw that in there because I thought, oh, anybody who's watching is going to say, but what are the questions? Yes, yes, I am so glad because I believe it's important for people to understand that there are ways that we can connect with them. Uh, One is we shouldn't be fearful. The second is we should give up being politically correct and lowering our Christian standard, thinking that we will accommodate them. No, one day we will be uh, asked about what we did with the truth when someone was in pain and looking for the truth. Many people don't see those people that don't agree with us, that in fact, if you look closer to them, they are in pain and they are screaming, I am looking for freedom. I am looking for someone to love me. If you look at that way, you will change your attitude and you will start asking those questions and you will say, tell me more about that. So yeah, that's right. It is so important for us. And plus, as Christians, we know that they are God's creation. Right. We are just God's creation. Christ died for them. Can we have a, a different standard? I believe we try to avoid being criticized or uh, being marginalized or somebody to say that we are not sensitive. You know, all kind of things that the evil one will will use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. From your point of view, you, you have so much experience. From your point of view, what is the common theme that you will see about those leaders. You have on your podcast, uh, the Dr. Um, uh, Jeff uh, show, and yeah. I was so honored to be on your show, and I'm so grateful that you will use that for uh, your student to teach them about the power of God and the, the reality and the horror of socialists. But what is the common team that you see from inviting uh, leaders, powerful leaders on your show about living out and uh, advocating for their Christian uh, faith? Wow. Well, we've, the, the Dr. Jeff show is, is pretty new. It's a pretty new podcast. We've done, I think we've released 21 episodes now. So we've been doing this for almost half a year. And I have never been asked that question before what the common theme is. So I'm trying to think that through. I, I would say with each one of the shows, I'm asking people, what is your advice to the rising generation? 
And they, they all have communicated something very similar, that now is a time to have courage. Uh, you mentioned earlier, people sometimes are afraid that they will be ashamed, that they don't know all of the answers, or they're afraid that other people will think less of them. Uh, well, as you know, there's really no, there's really not very much that you can do in the world that is a positive good that won't be criticized by somebody. So if you're unwilling to accept criticism, the only possible direction you can go in your life is toward a diminished impact. You, you can't make a difference if you can't handle a criticism. So I think that's been one of the key things that people have emphasized over and over again. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to be despairing. You don't have to be anxious. You, but you do need to be personal. As you mentioned, if every person is created in God's image, the Imago Dei, if we all bear God's image, then every person has value, even those who are upset and angry. And that's more and more people. I mean, some people, that is their worldview, that they actually have to wake up every morning and make themselves feel angry toward other people in order to live out what their worldview tells them that they must live out. That is so true to me. They look, if they were Christians and they turned their, their back to God, many times they will say, I don't want to respond to an authority. But unknown to them, where they run to please other people or to respond to all the requirements of the government, they, in fact, are puppets in the hands of someone else. You, in For God, he created you and he loves you. And indeed, he's the only one who offers you freedom. All of them are looking for freedom, but they don't know that, that there is no freedom in anything else but Jesus Christ, because he is the one who can offer us. So we should be... Uh, we should have the passion that you have and the desire that you have to share with others because Christ can make them free. Yeah. I want to ask you one last question, and that is, what is the biggest opportunity and the biggest hope for Christians in America today, in today's culture, if you are in America or in any part of the world? The biggest opportunity in terms of making a difference in the culture? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think the biggest opportunity, and this, this, this might or might not uh, be the answer to the question, but it's, it's what immediately springs to my mind. The biggest opportunity is to recognize that all of the ideas we're hearing around us are religious ideas. So a, a religion is, according to the dictionary, is, is any set of beliefs about the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe. Everybody is religious. Once we recognize that everybody is religious, we have the opportunity to ask the question, is there something about what God says in nature and in scripture, what the, the church fathers called God's two books, is, is there something in there that we can learn to defend and then apply to our lives? Uh, recently, we had a, a Summit Ministries two-week session. A student came up to me. I thought, wow, he sure looks familiar. 
and uh, but I have never met him before. He introduced himself to me. He was one of the he's the a child of two of my students from back when I was a college professor. Those two students got married to one another. They had wow. children. Now their children are coming to the Summit Ministries program. And the thing I loved about that particular interaction was I remember his father. I remember his father sitting in my office when he was a young man and asking, how do I discover my own sense of purpose and direction in life? And I asked him, what are you, what are you studying here at the university? And he said, I'm studying counseling. I want to go into family counseling. And then I asked him, what is it that really returns energy to you and makes you feel more alive? And this young man said, building hot rods. Like I love working on cars. So later he came to me and said, I think I've got it figured out. I want to have an impact on young people. And I think I want to do it by helping them learn automotive skills. And would you believe that is exactly what this man is doing today? His son told me that he is an instructor of automotive engineering at a vocational college, and he has the opportunity to influence young people and to help them learn automotive skills. Now, I remember way back when he was in college, when he said to me, I want to essentially go into family counseling and youth ministry through automotive work. At the time, I thought, that's great in theory, but I've never actually seen anybody do that. That's not in any manual about vocation, right? You know, you look through the possible jobs, and there isn't one called family counseling and youth ministry through automotive work. What he realized was that no matter where you are in your life, you are doing it. If you're a believer, you're doing it from a Christian worldview based on what God says reality is. And you're doing it for a specific reason, and that is to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. Now, it doesn't matter whether someone goes into medicine, whether they go into the military, whether they go into being a mechanic, whatever they, those all start with M. I should come up with a list of other M's, but you could go into any of these things and realize I am not, I'm not just a mechanic. I am a missionary because everything I do, every person I meet with, every person I talk to is somebody who God created. He loves them very much. And and really, every Christian is in full-time Christian ministry in that respect. I would love to be able to get that. Absolutely. I mean, think about people who could go into politics who would recognize that. People, if people went into medicine, what difference would that make? people went into science with that perspective, what difference would that make? I'm told that the percentage of people who identify as evangelical Christians continues to shrink every year in the United States of America. But at minimum, there are probably a hundred million people who fit in that category. You are absolutely not alone, but you must learn to be a full-time Christian no matter what you do. That is so wonderful. That is so true. We're going to end up here. I just want to thank you so much. I hope the listener and viewers will take to heart and will will learn to be courageous leaders where they are. And uh, I just want to thank you so much, Dr. Jeff, for coming to our podcast and sharing uh, your values.
Well, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And anybody who, who is watching this right now, if this message resonates with you, I want to be friends. So come to summit.org. You'll have the opportunity to there to give your email address so that we can stay in touch about the programs we have for young adults, the programs we have for adults, the programs we have virtually and in person, lots of different ways that we can help you live out your faith in a biblical worldview. Oh, thank you so very much for doing that. Uh, until next time, we'll just say uh, goodbye. Thank you so very much. If you want to know more about Virginia Prodan, her coaching program, buy her book, Saving My Assassin, or invite Virginia to speak at your events, visit virginiaprodanbooks.com.